Welcome to the TJ Tells It Podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and this is your straight talk guide to the health and fitness lifestyle by a non-traditional fitness enthusiast. Have you ever said, I could never complete a 5K, lift weights, take a spin class? Do you ever think, I wish I could eat healthier, take more time for self-care, and actually stick with it? Maybe you're afraid to go to the gym because you don't know where to start or what to do, or are you just looking for a little motivation to get out the door? If any of that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Each episode, you'll hear the truth about how to start a health and fitness lifestyle with tips and tricks to staying on track and motivated, as well as the ins and outs of becoming a healthier, more optimal you. As a bonus, I'll introduce you to some of my favorite wellness enthusiasts around. Lace up your shoes and let's get this journey started. Hi, everyone. Today, I am bringing you an interview with Shannon, who is a fellow runner, walker, and friend on her own very own health and fitness journey. Shannon, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Hey, everyone. Uh, So as TJ said, I'm Shannon. I am in my mid-30s. We do not say our age for ladies. Um, I live in Atlanta. I work in television production, and I have the best little dog in the world named Gordy, And I love to travel, which obviously not really happening right now. So trying to plan for the next place to go once all this stuff is over. (laughs) No. Yeah. I hear you. I'm, I'm starting to like, I'm itching to go somewhere. I'm like, I, I just want to like test the waters. I'm not willing to get on public transportation, but for some reason an airplane doesn't really bother me as much. And I'm not sure if it's all the like news stories where airlines are being hardcore about people not following the rules, but public transportation just seems like too much of a turnover. Whereas airplanes, I don't know. It doesn't make logical (laughs) sense, but I totally am like trying to figure out where can I go? That is not the four walls of my apartment and the grocery store. So I feel you there. No, yeah. I hear you. I did start meeting a coworker at a farmer's market to diversify my food um, choices. And it's about a 30 minute drive, but it's totally worth it. We go once, it's on Sundays, and we meet up in the morning and go. And it was. Nice. Cause we were lunch buddies and walk home buddies. So it was like, then we were locked up and we <laughs> both live alone. And so he would tell me about this farmer's market. And I was like, I'm crashing your farmer's market trip. And he's like, Oh yeah, no, totally. So we go and we, um, I think we're a comedy act for the people who are waiting in line for things <laughs> because on more than one occasion, people have, we would say something totally ridiculous. Cause that is our style is to say the most outlandish things about randomness and <laughs> other people would start laughing or chime in or whatnot. So that's, that's like my first like toe uh, in the water. And now I think I'm ready to put a couple of feet in, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like at this point it's like whatever makes you feel comfortable and safe, like do that. You know, exactly. it, I mean, obviously please wear a mask, please believe in science, like please do all of those things, but you know, your exposure and your, uh, 
I guess, to other people, to doing stuff outside, like do it, do it, you're, you do you or whatever. <laughs> right. Do you, but can, can we be safe? And remember I, I'm particularly sensitive to when I see people without masks and they're like, I don't have it and I'm not sick or what I'm like, first of all, you don't know if I'm sick or not. So right. maybe put a mask on for that purpose, but you're protecting people like me who as a cancer survivor has a lower immune system. I white count while it came back up, it's still not right. fantastic. Even 10 years later, 11 years later, however long it's been. And so I need you to just not, not try and get me sick with, even if you have like the common cold is a big deal for me. So I was already on edge during cold and flu season. And then this hit and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, let's put our mask on. And no, I don't want to share an elevator with you because our elevators, I don't even think on the diagonal, they're six feet. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm that person where the doors open. And I'm like, oh no, sorry. I do sometimes blame it on Zoe, my dog. And I'm like, oh no, she doesn't like to ride in the elevator. But she is finicky about people in masks. So like she'll yeah. let you get close and then decide, oh no, you don't look right. And then bark her head off. And I'm like, I don't want to ride in the elevator with that. I'm trying to keep her away from you when we don't have enough space as it is. Yeah. And sometimes people get angry about it, but got to do you, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I'm lucky in where I live. I mean, in a lot of pockets in Atlanta, like we we have more space and we can kind of get out and walk and I don't have to worry about being too close in contact with people that live in the area, my neighbors or whatever. But yeah, it's still super nerve wracking when I go out in public and I'm walking up to the Publix and I see that half the people don't have masks on. They put them on when they get in the store, but I'm like, you're a little too close. You're walking up to that shopping cart without one. Like, did you wash your hands? Like all of that, that's like what goes through my mind. Just, no, absolutely. I just can't. So like my anxiety was super bad going into it. I, I'm not necessarily like super high risk, but I am prone to getting like respiratory infections. So mm -hmm. like I was super nervous. And then of course, like anxiety presents as some of the symptoms of COVID. So like that was a whole thing for a while for me. Um, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> We're making it through. We're, I know. You know. Leaning on some of the like coping mechanisms and other things. At least I have been from just in my like pre stay at home order health and fitness life. Some of those tools have definitely come in handy just to like kind of keep myself balanced and centered and knowing that I still need to keep moving. Even if I am inside majority of the time, I'm fortunate that I have a dog. So it forces me to go outside and I'm not like some of my coworkers where I have to go. Did you go outside today? Please go outside. Your yeah. work quality may be suffering. I need you to go get some fresh air, put a mask on, go outside. <laughs> and we would do those checks for each other too. So like, it's the, have you left your apartment recently and things like that. So I don't know what kind of tools have you been utilizing that may have existed in a different form prior to being at home and having just a totally different lifestyle now? Um, I would say probably, I mean, the biggest thing is I, so I have a Garmin and on my Garmin, it has like various running training programs that are loaded into it. And so I'm not, I'm obviously not training for any races right now. I was in a pre COVID world, but what's great is like, I'm still basically using those same prompts and picking arbitrary dates as like, uh, you know, 
like race dates so that I am still like adhering to a program because without me working towards some kind of goal, I have the hardest time like sticking to any sort of routine or program. So like right now I'm training for the virtual peach tree that's on Thanksgiving. So I've been training since July because I took a break for a couple of weeks when it got absurdly hot here in Atlanta, as you know, it does. So I was just like, I need a couple of weeks off from that um, to sit in my air conditioning. Thank you very much. But now I'm back on the track and it feels better to be back out, back at it. Um, and like you, I have a dog, obviously. So I typically will do long walks with him. I don't right now because it's still too hot for him. Um, and we don't have any, a lot of shade where I live and we don't have sidewalks. So He's walking directly on the road, which can be hot, obviously, for his little paws. So those are like, for me, it's like keeping up with that Garmin program, even if it's not for like a quote unquote real race. And then also trying to schedule long, like really just hour long walks with my dog as often as I can. Those have been two helpful things. I will say I before COVID, I was definitely more active in going to like gym classes and things like that. And that's been harder for me to keep track of just because in my home, I don't have like a great area for me to have enough space, light, airflow, etc., to do a lot of the workouts that I like to do. So that's been a little bit challenging, but I'm still being active. I'm still feeling mentally present when I'm outside. You know, I can listen to my garbage running playlist and enjoy just like being outdoors or have Michelle Obama's soothing words from her lovely book, wash over me as I walk with Gordy. And that's enough some days. <laughs> no, I hear you. I am. I definitely start. So we went in to lockdown and my sister and I were doing these hit workouts and whatever, and they weren't quite doing it for me. And I was really missing. I would walk to the office once I got off the bus instead of taking the subway most of the time, even though taking the subway, you would get, just as many steps, if not more sometimes in that process, just because you walk underground the same amount of distance that you would uh, above ground. And then I would walk back to the bus station from work. And so that was, that gave me probably two and a half, three miles a day at least. And then there's lunchtime walks and all that. So I was missing that just like easy kind of cardio type thing. And so I was encouraged to try yoga. So I tried yoga. Um, and so I've been doing that consistently, but it was a space thing. Like it took a minute to figure out like, where in my house can I do this? And, but I was, I just sort of was creative about it because doing some of the HIIT workouts and things like that weren't super conducive because I have narrower hallways and, but then I have a bunch of open floor space, but if I'm trying to use a TRX, I need a door. It, it was a whole thing, but mm -hmm. it was just kind of trial and error and knowing that, it was going to be okay. I was going to figure out something. And so now I'm like, I'm yoga and doing a little bit of kind of body weight slash TRX in my house workouts, but I really love the live virtual. So I like a good workout class, but I love it even better when I can do it in my house. And so that's been mm -hmm. one of the things that I've loved from being in, in the house and knowing like you can modify things and even better, no one's seeing you modify anything. So <laughs> you're like, you're an all-star badass all by yourself because you're by yourself and no one can see you. And so that that was kind of freeing for me. But yeah, the walks with mm -hmm. the dogs definitely helps. But Zoe will be 15 
Um, she'll be 15 probably when this episode comes out. And so she doesn't walk nearly as far or nearly as fast. And I hate like leaving her by herself just because I'm a sucker for the like, Oh, you're leaving me. How dare you leave, <laughs> leave the house kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I needed something that was inside, but yeah, that was, it's interesting how people adapt to the change or whether they really changed anything at all, or they just built a gym in their house. And if they were able to do it and they didn't really miss a step, but it, I think it changes just in the mental aspects of it all. But anywho, so that was just like a whole, like, we kind of started at the now point of where you are in your journey. You want to give the, give the listeners a little bit of background about, like, I don't know where your journey started or where it was three years ago. You pick a point in time and give us a little bit of background about how you became a health fitness enthusiast. Sure. So we'll go back pretty far. Um, so I played volleyball all four years of high school. Um, I was on a club team. Um, I, I went to summer camp every summer and played volleyball. I loved it. I felt really good, um, when I played volleyball, but I suffer from some knee injuries. And so when the time came for me to go to college, basically my doctor was like, you can play college volleyball but you might have to have knee replacement by the time you're 25 or you can just not. And I was like, okay, I guess I just won't. Um, <laughs> which I honestly, I was like, for better or for worse, it was, it was probably the right choice for me. Collegiate. Like I never wanted to become a professional volleyball player by any means. I'm far too short for that. I'm only five, six, but like I did really love the sport. And I loved the, obviously the camaraderie of like my teammates and things like that. So I love that. Um, but when I was in college, like everyone does, I went through a lot of changes emotionally, physically, diet wise, activity wise. And when I was in college, I gained probably about 80 pounds um, over the four years. And so I, cause I basically, I went to a small liberal arts college in Atlanta and like our entire campus fit within a square mile. So in a given day, I wasn't probably walking more than a few, maybe 2000 steps a day, just because we didn't go very far <laughs> for anything. And I lived right next to the cafeteria and you could have whatever food you wanted, which of course I just loaded up on pasta and cheese because that's what I love. And so it just basically just kind of college, although it was great for my brain to learn a lot of stuff, I didn't pick up very healthy habits. And to be fair, I don't know that I could have dealt with it anyway, because my, you know, my friends were all in the same space. I was also in college um, and graduated from college at the start of the recession in 2008. So it was just like a stressful time all around. And I don't think I could have like I think at the time I didn't understand how that balance worked and how much, you know, your health and fitness kind of played into your overall, overall holistic health. So a couple of years after uh, I graduated from college, I was working at a nonprofit and I saw a picture of myself at one of our events and I just, I didn't recognize myself. I just gotten so unhealthy and like my clothes fit way too tight for me. And I just felt like I wasn't even in my own skin anymore. And, and I knew I wasn't healthy because I was having issues with like not being able to eat certain foods and having more sensitivities, which I know now it's just because I was eating not whole food. It was all processed and 
packaged and God knows I probably ate ramen like every single day of, of the week. So it was just like all those types of things. And so I took really small steps, uh, no pun intended, and joined the Y with one of my coworkers. And at first I just started doing the elliptical for 30 minutes a day because in addition to gaining the weight, I never had correctly rehabilitated my knee. So I was like afraid I was going to like hurt myself. And I'll tell you that first few weeks, like I really struggled to, to keep up with myself. Like there were times like I almost passed out doing the elliptical for just 30 minutes and it just kind of went from there. I went and took like Zumba classes and it was really like by the encouragement of my coworker that I did any of this in the first place. Cause I just felt at first, like I was just so like, where do I even start? Because I obviously couldn't go back to what I knew when I was in high school, which was you know, playing volleyball, like your girl was not doing that. So I had to kind of figure out what the new way forward was. And so I started doing the elliptical, as I mentioned. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to start trying to do running. I was like, I'm not a great runner, but I was like, I do want to try to do these five K's because like I said before, I works well when I have a goal to work towards. So I did my first ever 5k through the Atlanta track club It was the Thanksgiving day 5k in 2011. And it's so funny. I recently found a picture of myself from that 5k and uh, TJ, you would have been shaking your head at me. I was wearing all cotton. I was not wearing running shoes. (laughs) And I like, I was wearing three different, like I was wearing tights, like cotton legging tights cotton shorts and sweatpants because it was Thanksgiving. I was cold and I was wearing a cotton t-shirt and a cotton shirt on top of it. And I, and I was like, was I wearing a hat? I wasn't wearing a hat, but I look at myself and I'm like, girl, you started from the bottom is the true, true meaning of the word. But really that was like the first, and that was the first time that I ever had run or anyone in my family, really. I mean, there were, turkey trots and things like that growing up. But I don't think like running as an activity really kind of crossed my mind until that point. And so my dad joined me the next year and I can talk about my dad later, but he took it with it and ran literally. So I can can give a little bit of his story, but kind of ever since then, I've just been, you know, I just did five Ks here and there. And then a couple years ago, which is where I met you, I, I wanted to work with Atlanta track club to try to just train a little bit better and get better tips for like running longer distances, how to be efficient with like my nutrition and training, what kinds of equipment should I consider getting? And here we are. So it, it kind of was like a slow progression for me, but I mean, it's been almost 10 years since I did my first race and I would basically do like a single 5k, like every, you know, one in the fall, one in the winter. And now I like, I just, Earlier today, I ran a 5K and it was nothing. It's so weird to me, though. (laughs) Like, if you told me 10 years ago that, like. No, yeah, I I love to say that I can do a 5K in my sleep. But I think about the very first 5K I did, which was also with Atlanta Track Club. It was the Atlanta Women's 5K. And Mm -hmm. I crossed the finish line and cried like none other. Cause I wasn't sure I was going to live. 
And so I did it with my mom and my sister. They had done it before. At least my mom had done it before. And then we like took off and then they disappeared. And I was like, y'all done left me by myself. I don't even know what I'm doing. I was at least outfitted, not in cotton and things like that, because my mom (laughs) um, is, she, she had done it all before. And so she could tell me like, you know, but by the outfit and the things like that, because accessories matter. They matter guys. They Mm -hmm. definitely matter. Um, If that's your thing, but I, th- I thought I was going to die, but I was happy that I finished it and I've done it every year since, which is also kind of crazy. I want to say it was 20, oh, maybe it was 2011 too was the first time because I didn't start mine until after I finished chemo in 2010. So yeah, 2011 because I'd started working out and everything and I drove back home from Greenville, South Carolina to do that 5k. And I was hooked by then too. But I want to back up just a little bit and talk a little bit about how you say that you are a hot mess and you're all your cotton (laughs) and all that. And if you were one of my participants who showed up on the first day of training dressed like that, it would have been a, yeah, I don't know what the topic of the week is, but let's get you right. Cause I don't want you to quit or whatever. And so let's talk a little bit about gear and accessories and the clothing and all the fun things that um, can go along with running. But what, I guess, what's your number one thing that you tell people they need to, their first kind of investment when they're getting into running or working out and things like that? Um, Shoes. Shoes and socks are like the two things I say that people should invest in the most and first. Just because I think like, I I mean, look, obviously the cotton stuff is not ideal, but I think like if you're trying to run in um, really horrible shoes or shoes that are not meant for running, I think you'll be more inclined to quit sooner because you're going to feel uncomfortable because the shoes don't work for you. I remember like one of the first times I went running, there was, um, she had, I mean, it was a girl. I say girl cause she couldn't have been older than like sixth or seventh grade. And she was, she'd come to that Thanksgiving 5k where I looked like a, a ratchet cotton mess, but she was wearing Converse Ooh. and like my feet just hurt for her. And obviously she's in like sixth grade. So she probably was fine. But for me with like the world's most sensitive feet skin of all time, like I would have died. That was yeah. bad. So for me, it's like, it's shoes. They're very important, but socks, socks are hugely important. I know it sounds silly, but, um, I've, I felt such a huge difference when I switched over and got like actual running socks. I swear personally by the Belegas. Um, and like, as soon as I switched over to those socks, like I, it was a world of difference. Again, I have super sensitive feet, so Um, I have other tips and tricks I have to do for myself so that I don't get blisters, but it made the world of difference. And I can tell if I don't run in the right socks. Cause like if you're on a trip and you like forgot your socks or whatever, I can tell for like days. (laughs) No. Yeah. Socks are huge for me too. Anything over a 5k and I need my, I run it in gingy socks. And so those are the toe socks that separate your toes Mm -hmm. from each other. And each one has their own little, they're like gloves but socks. And cause I like to say my toes don't play well together and just to 
keep everything from being all a hot mess when I'm done. I definitely can tell a difference too. I, I almost think that socks over shoes, if you have, if you go to like a sporting goods store and get some kind of quote unquote running shoe or athletic shoe and put a good pair of socks with it, you can kind of limp along until you get in higher mileage because the sock will give you some padding and some compression and those kinds of things. Like I have to keep my toes separated because while my skin is not super sensitive, my toes are, they, they will like want to hang out way too close to each other and then they rub. And so that's uncomfortable, uncomfortable and things like that. But then I'm also a person who is the first thing after I finished uh, my first marathon that came off was my shoes. Like I literally crossed the finish line and was like, everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, move out of my way. My shoes must come off immediately <laughs> and I walked around in my ninja socks barefoot like without shoes on because that was the first thing that I needed to go but the socks still gave me all the support I needed I don't know how often do you think people should change their socks or how often do you buy new ones I mean I probably as a person that works at a running store I probably don't buy them as much as I should <laughs> but a lot of in my opinion because I also don't wear socks every day I only, I don't, I don't really wear shoes, especially now I don't wear shoes every right. day. Um, so I, I mean, I would say probably, I don't know. It's so tough. I've actually never thought about it. Cause I don't think I've ever replaced any of my, um, Balegas, but only because I have so many pairs now that I just kind of rotate through them, but they have also held up so incredibly right. well. They haven't really lost their stretch, no holes, the compression and the, the padding is still there. I prob there's probably some I could replace, but I don't know. I guess like I would imagine it's probably similar to like your regular socks, which would be, you know, once you lose the compression, once you notice that there's points within the sock itself that like it's worn down, then just, just get a new pair. No, I, I distinctly remember I, oh, I've probably done a couple of Peachtree training. So that's a couple of years done half marathon training. And I want to say like three years in, maybe it took that long of me having two or three pairs that I rotated through um, when I ran of Njinji's that I needed to then replace them and could tell the like difference. And it took a little trial and error for me to reach the point of Njinji's being my favorite. And then I do, I really like the Vallegas too. I kind of rotate between those two when I am running because I like a little bit of compression and a little bit of padding, but not too much padding because my feet kind of get hot, you know, so it's trial and error for sure. But um, I always mm -hmm. wondered what the answer to the, when should you replace your socks? Because shoes, they give you the mileage and or time or both. And then if you start feeling like nickels and whatever, I can always tell now by feel that, oh, it's time to replace my shoes, even if I'm not very good about tracking the mileage on them. But shh, don't tell anyone that I don't actually track the <laughs> mileage on my shoes. But let's talk a little bit about shoes. Um, what kind of shoes do yes. you run in? So I am a Hoka ride or die. Okay. I run in the Bondi. I currently have the sixth iteration. They're now on their seventh. I, again, like, so I, I've had these knee issues, which coincidentally running actually has made them better because it really helped to reinforce basically what would happen when, with my knee problems was my kneecap would go out of mm -hmm. place. And so in running, you're actually building up obviously your quad muscles, which for me, that's the side that was the weakest side. 
So weirdly running actually has helped with my knee pain. So I don't really get it as much anymore. If I try to do a jump, a bunch of like jumps or squats, like ow, yeah. but running doesn't hurt, which is super weird. I will say I did notice that for me, the running in hokas in particular, the bondi alleviated that pain even more just because obviously it's taking off the pressure from the road and especially being someone that is considered a plus size runner like it's less of the bounce and the grunt and like the impact on the road the hoka because of how thick that um, cushion is it doesn't I don't feel that so whereas I used to feel that when I ran in some other brands that had less cushion I'd never feel that with the hoka now and even still like I ran the Thanksgiving half last year, Hoka in my Hoka's, I felt fine. I mean, I did wear my UFO recovering shoes only because like he was like, it was more that my feet needed to spread out. Not that my knees hurt or that my legs, I mean, my legs were tired, but they felt fine. So Hoka ride or die. I've gone, but like you, I feel like everyone's gone through this journey with the shoes of like, I've tried so many different types, but for me consistently, I've found the most success with a couple of the different shoes from Hoka, but the Bondi is like my uh, main shoe. Nice. So what am I currently in? I uh, probably at uh, the Brooks ghost something 12, 13. I don't know. I sort of, I went and got fitted when I moved from Atlanta to the New York, New Jersey area. And um, I, the poor guy, I'm, sure he was just like oh my <laughs> you said you've run before i'm like yeah but i i'd been running in mizuno's for i don't know how long for years five years <laughs> or something like that almost exclusively i would throw a pair of sockenies in there every so often but they were mizuno's and i would just kind of rotate through and try different ones depending on the distance i was training for or what types of runs i was doing if i was doing a workout then i have one shoe if i was doing a long run i had another shoe because why not have multiple pairs of running shoes? And then I would rotate right. my shoes and the whole nine yards because I am a plus size runner for sure. And in order to get kind of a longer life and to let them recover a little bit, I would rotate my shoes. And especially since I was doing sometimes back to back days of running. But so I went yeah. and um, I'm a huge proponent of going and getting fitted at a running store. Mm-hmm. I like to do it at least once a year, but that I have lots of changes that happen in my body sometimes, or I might do, I need to do a different workout or a different distance and that kind of thing. But I went and I tried on, I don't even know how many pairs of shoes and I do it by feel. I'm not, I'll let them tell me like, yo, you're a pronator or this, try this shoe, try that shoe. And I'm like, yeah, bring out what you suggest, bring out what I asked you for. We're going to try them all on and see how they feel. Cause in, in, in reality, it's based on feel. I, I don't know. I think if you don't Absolutely. feel, if it doesn't feel right for you, just because it's checks all the boxes based on some formula that someone came up with, you're less likely to continue to run. So I ended up with the, with Saucony's for my walk to and from the office and then for running, um, the Brooks Ghost 12 and kind of rotated through those shoes. But can you talk a little bit? You said you work in a running shoe store. And guys, this is not a substitute for actually going to get fit. But can you describe what the shoe fitting process is, at least at your <laughs> store? 
So you're asking, so you're asking about the fit. Yeah, like, so, so I walk in the door and I say, Hey, Shannon, I need to get some running shoes. I've never run before. What, what are you going to like, how's that process work? Gotcha. So at my running store, shout out to Fidipides. It's a little different than some other running stores just because they've been around forever. They were one of the first running stores in the country. And so a lot of what they do, they kind of do like what you mentioned, TJ, they, they go a lot by what it looks like physically, like what we see when you're running, but also how a customer or a client feels when they put them on. So typically how we start is we just ask them like, Hey, what are, what are we looking at today? Cause we'll see folks that are like, I'm just looking to walk and I, but I'm walking, you know, 20 miles a week. So I'm looking to get something that's a little more stable for me in the walking department, or we'll get someone that's coming in. that's like, I want a really light shoe because I'm trying to hit a PR. And I, I think like the lighter shoe will help um, me be able to get that light footedness, I guess. And then we have other folks that are like, you know, I'm new to fitness. I'm just trying to get something that's comfortable that I can use for multiple things. What do you recommend? So generally we start with like one of our more neutral options, um, that we have that we're carrying in the store at that given time, some great, super neutral options where we're just looking to basically see how your foot form is, whether or not you protate, protate, pronate, (laughs) or if you're a more neutral runner in your stride, or if you have anything that kind of may like, cause I know for me, I kind of like limp a little bit. Uh, it's, I like to call it my runner swagger, <laughs> but it's really just like, I do fa- people tend to favor one leg over another. That's fairly common. So just kind of noticing those types of things that could impact like what types of shoe might make the most sense for you. So right now, what I typically will test folks in is their first running shoe would be like the, um, the Saucony ride, the, uh, Brooks launch, or sometimes the ghost, depending on kind of what the person has said that they've run in before. Um, and then sometimes also the Nike Pegasus. So I'll have them cause those are like the most neutral, the f- fairly light, like, let's see how these work for you and then go from there. So what I am, what I'm assessing in that shoe is I'm just looking like, okay, is your ankle rolling? It, are your ankles straight? do your knees look okay? (laughs) Like that's kind of what I'm looking at. And then when they, we basically have them jog, walk, walk out, walk back, and then jog out and jog back. And from there, you know, I just say, this is what I could see from your form, from your function, from how you feel. How does this shoe feel for you? How does it feel from the bottom up? How do you feel about it? How it feels around your foot? Um, I also obviously check the toes, which pro tip, you generally want about a thumb's distance, if especially if you run because you swell, you want about a thumb's distance from the top of your longest toe, which remember may not always be your big toe, the top of your longest toe to the end of your shoe. Just because when you run your feet do swell, you do sometimes jam forward, especially if you're running downhill. So you want to have enough room that you're not going to lose a bunch of toenails. You can still lose toenails, Having that still helps. I will say since I got properly fitted for my shoes, I have yet to lose a toe. Me too. I'm in that same club. I am religious about the, oh, these shoes feel great. Oh, wait, nope. Let me check the fit. Uh, I want to go half size up or a full size if I have to, to get the proper distance from my 
um, toes to the tip of the shoes and I've managed to keep all of my toenails none of them turned black <laughs> or any of that. So, and a lot of it's like, it's not just the half size. You may need to go wider. So for me, I wear when I run. So my standard shoe size is a nine or nine and a half. But when I run, I wear a nine and a half or a 10 and a, and a wide. So, um, because my feet swell and I, I'll, fondly call my feet baguette feet in the sense that as soon as I kind of lay down, they're just kind of a blob. I don't have an overly like excessive, like toe bone at the top or a very narrow mid part of the heel. So for me, that's why the hokas work best for me is because if you look at the bottom of the shoe, it's almost the same width from the ball of the foot all the way to the heel, which is perfect for me because that's what I have. If I try to wear something like a Nike, which is basically like a bowling pin shape where the top of the bowling pin is at the heel and then it's wider at the foot. That does not work for me because it's far too narrow. And so it pinches at my heel. Same thing. And this is, again, this is for me of like some of the New Balance or Ghost, um, sorry, Brooks options is that those tend to have more of like a peanut shape or a bean shape. And those don't work for me either. So a lot of those things are what we take into account. If you're like, oh, my feet are really wide, like your running store will have and carry options that are wide. Um, And a lot of times they can put in special orders for shoes. Um, Let's say you're a six and a half in women's, but you need a wide. That can be a hard shoe size to find. But if you just say, you know, talk to the running store that you're going to, they can put in a special order for that shoe And if they can't find someone that will, because a lot of running stores will absolutely put in special orders and try to do whatever they can to make sure that you're comfortable and taken care of. That's good. This is all very valuable information about shoe fit and whatnot. I do tend to go for a wider toe box in the shoe. So the front part of it is a little bit wider, but I do have a narrow heel. My catch is that I wear a women's 11 And so I'm immediately in the men's section and then, which hurts my heart sometimes because I'm like, those shoes are as ugly as, (laughs) but I have to remember that it's not about necessarily the style or the fashion to it. It's what is comfortable and what's going to support me and keep me being injury free. But, um, but the narrow heel part of it is kind of tricky too. So I've been lucky in that I can do the regular width, even though my feet swell because they're they're narrow feet to begin with. They're just narrow and long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. Definitely. I think like you bring up a good point of like, I will say shoe companies change their shoes almost every year. It's very common, whether it's like you said, the foam is different. The upper is different. The toe box is different. The like whatever sort of support structure they have in the shoe is different. They change shoes a lot. So it can be hard to be able to find the exact shoe to the same year to year. And sometimes, of course, they do discontinue shoes, which is always hard when we have a customer that comes in and they're like, I've been looking for X shoe. And we're like, they don't make it anymore. (laughs) So I do think, like you said, it's important to get fitted for your shoes. 
I would say, depending on your mileage, every six months to a year, especially if you're only running with one or two pairs of shoes, I'm very bad right now in that I only have one pair of shoes that I'm running in because I killed all my other ones. So I'm due for a new pair myself. So, and typically, especially if you're getting up there in mileage and especially depending on the type of shoe that you have or the type of body you have, you may need to adjust how frequently you need to get shoes. Obviously, everyone says between 300 and 500 miles, kind of depending on a variety of factors. But one thing that you can always check too is like if you look on the bottom of your shoe and you notice excess wear, it might be time to look at new shoes. Um, Not quite to the extent of like when you check your tires and if you kind of put a penny in the groove, if you can see Lincoln's head, then it's time to get new ones. It's not quite to that extent because you will see wear in your shoes, obviously, if you're using them. But um, like you said, go by feel, especially if you have a more thin um, sole of the shoe. Thankfully for my Hoka's, like I don't necessarily feel that, but I can feel when it breaks down because the plush, the responsiveness from the road uh, starts to diminish. But if you're feeling that things feel a little off, it might be time. Yeah, no, that's that's a hundred percent with me. I'll put my shoes on and I'll go and I'm like, oh, that didn't feel right. I didn't do anything weird or strenuous. And then it's like, Oh, when's the last time I got shoes? I probably need new ones. <laughs> and especially when I'm doing super low impact in terms of just walking to and from the office, that kind of thing. I had shoes. I just gotten them when I moved up here and I didn't think anything of it. And I was like, God, this hurts a lot more than it used to. And I was like, duh, just because you're not training for a race, you're still walking every day, multiple times a day and a significant distance. And then especially since if I was at work, sometimes I wouldn't change into my work shoes because no one really cared. And Mm -hmm. so then I'm walking around all day in them too, which prior to moving up here and walking through the city and that whole thing, I was religious about my running shoes were for running and working out and nothing else. And I took them off and I had a whole nother pair of like casual shoes by casual shoes. I mean, flip flops. Cause yeah. Um, with arch support and all the things. Cause some people, yeah. Anyway. Um, and yeah. so that's adding to the wear on your shoes just cause you're done running. If you don't take them off, then that will add more like wear to your shoes and things like that. So it's always a like, Oh, something doesn't feel quite right. And I definitely try and catch it before it gets to the point where something is really hurting because you can injure yourself running in old shoes, especially if you're doing hard workouts and things like that. So, and I will say it also, especially if you're a pronator that also you will notice that I find, cause I have, I, everyone has like a different type of foot, strike and mine, of course, because I do have that knee injury. I have it where I pronate on one foot and not the other super common. It happens all the time, but it can be harder to fit in. And I can always tell if I have tension in my ankle, if my shoes have broken down, you tend to notice it faster. If your shoes with that help with pronation have gone because the guardrail, which is usually what they put in the bottom of the shoe will have like like worn down in some capacity. And so, and to your point, that's how you can get hurt. You know, that's how you can twist an ankle. That's how you're, you know, you strike in the wrong spot and then it just kind of twinges a little weird. 
So yeah, definitely. If you can't remember when you bought your shoes, it might be time for new ones. So true. So true. Other than your shoes and knowing that you, you learned along the way that you needed new shoes and you needed a good quality <laughs> sock. What are some everyday things that changed along your journey? Oh man. You mean like about my running journey or like my life? Just your health and fitness journey in and of itself. It could be running related. Maybe you started eating different foods or you um, decided that you wanted to do it multiple times a day or a week or I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to say that I eat better, but uh, 2020 is not uh, the best example of that <laughs> at current because I had goldfish for lunch today. Um, but I do think in general, I am more cognizant of the fact that like I got to shove a vegetable in my mouth every once in a while. <laughs> I I will say like there's some, there are definitely smaller things that that took a while to kind of get used to was finding kind of what types of food do I like to eat other than Kraft macaroni and cheese and ramen. And I've, it's kind of helped that I, I do think in Atlanta, I imagine also in like the New York city area, it's like, we do have a lot of really great restaurants and not all of them have trash food, That's you know? True. So it's kind of finding I've, you know, through that journey I've kind of found things that I really liked that kind of surprised me. And then I wasn't surprised that I obviously still love Italian food. So I think kind of just like expanding my horizons once I kind of got down to the brass hacks of like, you can't eat as much like processed food with high salt, high, like for me, I also have a sensitivity to animal fats. So that includes like milk fat and, you know, the fat that's in um, meat. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, reduce the amount of like meat they are eating in a week, but also switch from milk with lactose in it to like an alternative, like an almond milk, a cashew milk and oat milk, whatever. And those super, I mean, they're fairly insignificant, right? Cause it's just like a couple things here and there, those small things were part of the catalyst of, so I gained all those 80 pounds in college. I've lost 70. So I'm still holding on to that last 10, but I also was like 18. So, and now I'm in my mid thirties. So it's a little bit of a different life, but I think like eating more whole things of like just eating broccoli or whatever, instead of like, um, God, what was my, like, I'm trying to remember what my weakness. Oh, I would always eat. <laughs> my roommates used to make fun of me all the time. <laughs> Cause I would eat, um, Campbell's broccoli and cheese soup and be like, I'm eating a vegetable. It's fine. And they're like, ma'am, you're ingesting fake cheese and like so much salt. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. So I'm like, oh, just like switch it and have broccoli, but maybe sprinkle some Parmesan cheese on it. So like you're still getting the cheese, but like you're being a little bit more balanced about it. That's fair. That's fair. I was also <laughs> the same type of person who would be like, the package indicated that there was a vegetable-like substance in this <laughs> food product. And so I am eating a vegetable. I'm still not great about eating vegetables. I will eat the like off the beaten path vegetables more often than the, like I don't eat broccoli at all and I don't eat cabbage and I don't eat like greens or whatever, but I have like food like the sulfur and the this and the that with it. But I mean, I still eat, but I eat like cauliflower rice is my jam these days and yeah. mushrooms 
mushrooms are a food group in and of itself in my world. Um, if my refrigerator is lacking mushrooms, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> for sure. um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it is surprising though, the little, how just little changes in your diet and your food choices can make a difference. And we by no means are like crunchy granola, must eat oh God, seven no. servings of vegetable type people. This is why we're friends, guys. This is why we're friends. <laughs> we live in a world where we understand that we want something that just tastes good sometimes, you know? We just balance it out by eating a little bit more nutritious as we go along. Um, I have my moments where I'm way good at it. And then I have other moments where I eat a bowl of Lucky Charms. And that's, yeah. that may or may not be what I've eaten today. Um, and no, guys, that's not keto. I'm sort of playing with my carb counts and all the things, but um, hence balance in my life. But um, <laughs> so what's a tip, aside from the goldfish for lunch, which I feel like it's Sunday, so it's okay. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's got dairy in it, right? So like it's got calcium of some sort, right? It's totally, totally. fine. What's a typical day of eating? So when you're trying to eat kind of a more nutritious, balanced, like food day, what is it like for you? So typically I will have in the morning, I have, um, iced coffee. It is my life source. And with typically with, again, like my alternative milk, so cashew milk, oat milk, or almond milk. Currently we are jamming with almond milk. Um, so I have that. And then I also have overnight oats, which I basically just take the rolled oats, like a cup of rolled oats, soak them overnight in almond milk. Then I take it out in the morning, put in more almond milk because the consistency looks disgusting. Um, top it with about a teaspoon of honey, and then I put in fresh strawberries. So that's usually what I have for breakfast. Um, lunchtime, I typically have a fruit, usually a banana, especially just given how often I'm exercising. It definitely helps with some of my cramping. I get the worst Charlie horses of all time. So I always have a banana pretty much every day. For lunch... It kind of depends on the day. Lately, because it's been so hot, I've kind of still been sticking with more dairy-based, but doing um, Greek yogurt with more honey and then with like a protein-based granola. So that has like more nuts in it than um, grains. And then I'll typically have baby carrots with some peanut butter as like my mid-afternoon snack. And then lately, because I am lazy as I'll get out and don't really like cooking, I've been ordering through um, a company here in Atlanta that does um, food service. I normally go through the fresh meal service that Atlanta Track Club has, which I am blanking on the name. Good measure meals. Good measure meals. Yes. I was like, so normally I go through that, but they're obviously on hiatus and focusing on their nonprofit side right now. So normally I would have that, but in the past six months, I've had to be a little more creative um, so this company that I order through, it's called figs and honey. They do just like square meals. So it's like a protein, a starch and a vegetable. And I just order from that. Oh, I've never heard um, of that one. Yeah. They're like a, they're actually are a catering company, uh, but obviously people aren't having events right now. So I found them through my friend owns a brewery and they were doing a deal of like buy a family size meal from this catering company and you also get two six packs of beer. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> so people that's kind of how I found them at first, but it's actually been really great because the food, it's like 
you would love it. It's like the chicken marsala with extra mushrooms. Yum. Comes with a mashed potato and then usually some sort of like vegetable with me, which maybe you wouldn't be as into. But so what I got this week was it's like a chicken cordon bleu with mashed potatoes and broccoli. And I'm like, it still feels like I'm able because I I think my challenge is with eating when I get super obsessed about it. That's when I notice that I have an unhealthy dynamic with food. And so I never want to feel too restrictive of myself. So that's where I've kind of just been trying to focus on enjoy what you want to just don't go nuts. Cause I can tell if I went nuts cause I'll feel sick. Right, no, yeah. <laughs> it's like the one thing of like eating so well for so long is like my body knows when I've done bad by it. <laughs> so I just, I think that that's kind of helped of like with this food, I'm still able to obviously eat, you know, what I want to, but I'm still able to kind of get in all the necessary food groups in a way that, and I also don't have to cook. So it's like a win-win. No, I hear that. I, I tend towards a lower carb, more keto style lifestyle, Mm -hmm. just because I feel better when I do it. But when I get to the point of like, all I can think about is ice cream or all I can think about, that means something's kind of out of whack. And I probably haven't been doing any of it right. Or it's been those days, too many of those days where, I eat something in the morning and then I look up and it's 4 PM and I've been working for that long and haven't eaten anything. I've just been chugging water if that. And so my body's like kind of out of whack and that's it signal to you. Hey, give, give us some nutrients, give us something. And so I play around with based on what kinds of workouts I'm doing and those kinds of things about what I eat and, um, and what balance of what I eat. So I always try and have at least one serving a day of vegetables, which I know that doesn't sound like a lot because they recommend whether it's something crazy like four to six fruits and vegetables a day or whatever. I eat the fruit. I love fruit. The vegetables are eh. But if I meal prep it and I already have it like pre-cooked because I don't have a microwave, so I like reheat everything on the stove or in my air fryer or in the oven. And mm-hmm. it's if I pre-cook the vegetables and it's not going to take too long, then I'll go ahead and throw it in my meal. But I don't tend towards the vegetable kind of land, but I do like the idea of having that high quality meal of, but having all the groups in there and it tastes good and you're not feeling like you were cutting something totally out of your life. Um, going to the farmer's market for me has been my kind of balance out of what I'm eating and then making sure I'm getting high quality foods in, in the increased price point of a farmer's market. Um, cause if anyone was thinking that, Oh, I'm going to go to a local farmer's market, that means it's going to save me money. That is not always true, my friends. Um, <laughs> but, but I will say that it, gives me higher quality food. So I feel better when I eat it. And I do tend to eat less of it in terms of keeping the portion control um, happening because partly because it's not always cheaper and you can't just like run down the road and get more of it. I have to wait Mm -hmm. till next Sunday. So I'm like, I want to eat well through the week, but also it's higher quality food. So I tend to, I do love to cook. So I will make my own meals and things like that. That and I have weird food sensitivities and just a plethora of things that I have to keep track of. And it just makes my anxiety level around eating less if I uh, make the food myself, but yeah, totally. 
But yeah, I like I I will have to next time someone asks me about that because um, I still have a bunch of Atlanta people. I will mention Fig and Honey to them. The great tip, and I'll have yeah. to find the link to it and and put it in the show notes. If you have some kind of code or something, let me know, and I'll put that in the show notes too, so people can um, benefit from that information. Yeah, I I really do like them. They have and they have great customer service, and I. Yeah, every meal I've had from them has been delicious. And some stuff in there, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like it. And I love it. Like they had this one thing. It was it was basically like a, uh, oh goodness, like a Mediterranean quinoa salad with shrimp. Ooh. And it had like, an, it had mozzarella, tomatoes, and avocado like sauce on top of it. It was meant to be eaten cold. It was so good. I was very skeptical because like <laughs> me and quinoa sometimes are, I'm like, why are you trying to taste like dirt? But they, it was really, I think I just like, cause I tried to make it myself. It did not taste good. But when I have it, when it's not being made by me, it tastes fine. So <laughs> clearly I am the problem, but it was, it was really delicious. And they have a bunch of other more like staples of like what you would probably at least what I had, like what my mom would make cooking growing up or things like that. So it's more like party home style food. Right. And so it was, it was nice. And I'm sure um, coming into like the colder months, it'll be extra nice because they have a lot of like lasagnas and um, bakes and things like that as well. So yeah, highly recommend for you ATL folks that might be listening. Well, I pro tip on the quinoa, cause I used to eat that a whole lot. My stomach doesn't love it anymore, but Never cook it in just plain water. Chicken mm. broth, beef broth, even vegetable broth, if that's, that's your thing. It. Okay. <laughs> Makes a world of difference. And I'm heavy on the garlic because I love me some garlic. If you love Italian food, you must love garlic too. Garlic um, in it, even if it's just garlic powder, and then mm-hmm. appropriate amount of salt, depending on what kind of stock you have. If you're making it yourself, then okay, let's be real. Okay. So check the sodium content on the stock that you buy and then add a little bit of salt to it. And that makes a world of difference for it to not taste like dirt. I also, if you have a rice cooker, I used to make mine in the rice cooker and then, so it would come out nice and fluffy and all the things. Yeah. I, it's funny because for a person that doesn't cook, I mean, I really hate it. Um, I don't have, I have a few cooking things that like my friends are like, Ooh, you're fancy. So I have, I do have like very small like Crusade, like little baking thingies. I've yet to use them, but I have them. But the most used thing in my kitchen is my air fryer because that's how I make French fries. <laughs> that's like the extent of my cooking. It's I, I regret nothing because potatoes are magic, but I do not have a rice cooker. Although I've thought about getting a pressure. Is it a pressure cooker? Instant pot. Type. Yeah, oh, I love mine. I have an air fryer and instant pot. I mean, I have, I have a lot of kitchen gadgets, but air fryer and instant pot sit on my counter, take up the counter space. And then I have my stovetop and I have really good nonstick pans that I really love. Uh, I don't know what the brand is. I can look for y'all and put it in the show notes. I'm pretty sure I got them at TJ Maxx because TJ Maxx is life. And it's not just because it's named after me either. But the instant pot makes a world of difference in my cooking because I used to be all about my crock pot. Cause I could set it and forget it, go to work and come back and have cooked. Food. Yeah. Instant pot. Yeah. Ooh, I forgot to defrost something. You can throw things in there, frozen solid and still have a home cooked 
tasty, felt like it cooked for a long time, 45 minutes later, if not sooner, if you know all the tricks, like using hot water in your Mm -hmm. instant pot gets it to pressure faster because the time doesn't start running. Here's the fallacy with the instant pot is that they'll say, oh, it's super fast. Mm -mm. The time doesn't start running. So that's seven minutes it takes to cook your chicken in the instant pot. That seven minutes doesn't start until it comes up to pressure and it needs steam. So if you put hot water in it, it comes up to pressure faster so then your food cooks faster. Ah. So that is just one thing to note because people, people will be like, oh, it's an Instant Pot recipe, so it's 30 minutes. And I'm like, 30 minutes? It's 30-minute cook time on it. So like a roast or what have you will be 30-minute cook time, 45 minutes maybe. But it's got to come up to pressure. And the more full it is, the longer it takes to come up to pressure and all the things. But I just put hot water in mine. And there you go. I would recommend it. If you want to start down a cooking journey, you want to start cooking some more things for yourself. An air fryer is magic. Those Le Creuset, if they're small enough, can go inside of your air fryer and bake like a confect oven too, by the way. And uh, an instant pot. I have the eight quart because that's what my mom got me for Christmas. And I make giant batches of bone broth and things like that in it. But they have even... They have a six quart. I wouldn't go any smaller than a six quart, really. But they have a three quart one too. So, I mm. I love my instant pot. Um, if I had to choose between the air fryer and the instant pot, I personally would pick the instant pot. But partly because I don't do a whole lot of frying and that kind of thing. And everything I can do in my air fryer, I can do on top of my stove. But the instant pot, yeah, I can cook a lot yeah, faster. So, I mean, like again. Honestly, the only thing I use my air fryer for is to make fries because that's like my comfort food of choice is uh, crinkle cut French fries with barbecue sauce. So I, this, this year again has been very stressful. So I've been loading up on them French fries, (laughs) So, but I, I do have a crock pot. I, again, I think some of it too is like when it's hot, the last thing I want to do is cook for sure. So I do tend to like, that's why I was like, I normally probably wouldn't eat Greek yogurt as much as I have in the past couple months, but it's really just because it's so hot that I don't really want to cook anything else other than like a salad. And sometimes like I have my limits and how many days a week I can eat a salad. So it's, I think like a crock pot works, but it still is like the food is always hot, obviously. So it's like, I'm less inclined to use it, but I've been thinking about getting an instant pot for like a year. So maybe I just need to bite the bullet and maybe, because I think if I used it, got it now, I would be more inclined to use it than if I got it in like June, I would never have used it. That's true. I did get mine for Christmas, but I cook year round. Um, do I tend to do you cold like batch cook more when it's hot? Yes, absolutely. And then I will make cold things out of it. Like I'll batch cook chicken or get a rotisserie chicken and then pull it all and make chicken salad. Mm-hmm. And then I eat that as a cold meal. Um, but I cook all the time because that's because it's like my it. comfort that yeah, it's my comfort activity. Yeah. So it's it it is definitely my jam, but I'm also a one pan kind of girl because this oh, chick does not like doing dishes full stop period fastest way to become my best friend or whatever is to say you will do my dishes and do all the cleaning (laughs) and all the things i'm like and i will be shameless about it and let you do it um so yeah (laughs) so let's let's shift gears just a little bit get a little bit more about do you do you said you have a garment and you like to trade for races what's the like craziest thing you've done fitness wise 
I'm like so boring. I don't know that I've actually done anything crazy fitness wise. Oh my God. No, I'm definitely not. I, what I've been thinking about because I've been um, listening to the children of TikTok is there's been a challenge and I'm, I know that this is not just on TikTok. I've seen other people do it, but it's basically to run a mile every day. Oh yeah. For run however long. Right. So I don't typically run more than three days a week right now, but usually again, like, so my fr- my Sundays rather are my long run days. So I'm definitely getting in more than three miles on Sundays. So, you know, I never, um, try to run much further. Cause I'm like, oh, I need a break. Cause my legs are tired by the time Sunday rolls around. But I thought about trying to do that in October because, um, it's always, we always get such good weather. I mean, and usually by the end of the month, it's usually cold. So I was like, maybe that month I'll try to do a run streak and try to do a mile every day. Um, like where, wherever I'm not doing more, I guess. So basically just run every day for 31 days. Cause I was like, that's an extra day. So that will make me feel like I worked extra hard, <laughs> but yeah, I don't feel like I've actually done anything super crazy. I mean, the craziest thing I did was like run a half, which barely counts. Um, I, I did do a Disney race 13.1 miles all in one stretch and you pay money to do it. It's kind of crazy. It is. I, I think the, the craziest race I ever did was weirdly. I did a Disney race two years ago, I did the Disney food and wine, um, the 10 K. Cause I was like, I want to give myself, cause at that point I had only run the peach tree once. And I obviously am not running the peach tree for time. So I was like, I'm going to try to run a 10 K for time, which honestly I should have known better than to try to do. Cause like those Disney races are so full, but the thing that made it so crazy to me and is you have to get up so early. Oh yeah. And if you know me, I'm not a morning person. I'm barely a night person. I'm barely a person sometimes. So it was now, like, now. I, well, I'm, I'm joking, but like it was, it was challenging. And I do think I ran that race by myself, which I personally would not recommend because it was hard to like, I don't want to stop at the photo stop and be like lame taking a picture by myself. <laughs> Um, but that's like the whole point of why you do those. So I felt crazy having done that race because then afterwards that day, my cousins that I had gone to Disney with, they all had slept all day because I got back to the hotel at seven in the morning because the race was over already because the race started at five. So I was done and back by seven. Well, because at this race too, they were only doing the 10K. So it was like, and they had the whole experience, I could probably do like a separate podcast with you about that. We, and I'm okay. sure other Disney artists too. Writing it down, Disney experience. <laughs> I mean, and I had, I mean, it was super fun, but then afterwards we went to the parks and like, I was so tired, not from, I mean, partially from running, but also just from the fact that I was so tired from not sleeping. So my cousins all went and I hung out because we did Animal Kingdom that day. And I went and hung out. There's like a bar and restaurant in Animal Kingdom. So I just sat at the bar and drank glasses of wine for like five hours. It was great. <laughs> hey, that, that does not sound like a bad post-race activity at all. It was great. <laughs> I had the best time. So, and then of course, we obviously went to the actual food and wine festival at Epcot, which was super fun.
You did. You made it a long time too. I gave up candy, manufactured candy. Um, I guess we're going on year. Th- oh, almost at year three now or four. I can't. I have to go back and look now because I just now it's just like a regular course of thing. I don't eat manufactured candy, and yeah. it does not mean I do not eat cake and ice cream and things like that. <laughs> it just means I don't eat like stickers or score bars or things like that. So don't think that I'm like this magical sugar-free guru you would not like me if i am sugar-free for too long (laughs) even when i do keto i still i'm like okay i get to have what sweet berries i'm in check like every day if i don't eat anything else i'm eating my berries so but yeah no i i always do say that you don't have to take it to the extreme either do it for a little bit just see and see how you feel some things you're like i did not like the person i was while i was doing that so maybe it's not the thing for you i like to say just because people say it's healthy doesn't mean it's healthy for you absolutely there's that because i i feel like a lot of especially with like diet and stuff like a lot of stuff and i mean even running and products for running it's like all of this stuff is created for the mass market. So it's meant to be consumed in, in some cases, literally or figuratively by multiple hundreds of thousands of people, potentially that in itself means that it is not tailor built to you. So wherever it makes sense for you to work with someone that is trained in whatever field that you feel like you need to customize to feel better, whether it's talking to someone that works at a running store to help you get fit for better shoes, whether it's talking to your doctor about going to like getting a better health and um, diet, or if it's talking to a counselor and working with them uh, through some of the things to help you feel more mentally at ease, do that because the world is meant for many, but you are one and that is okay. I love that. The world is meant for many, but you are one. And I think that's something like where, and I think it's just a healthy reminder because I think a lot of the hardest part a lot of us have about anything involving self-care or taking care of yourself is we so often don't put ourselves first. True. And you have to like yourself as you, what you as a specific individual need, not like, I mean, look again, I am a, I'm a basic wino. Like I will drink red wine until like I die, but I think at the same time, like that's obviously not going to be a journey for everyone, but a lot of times that life of like having a glass of wine at the end of the day in a bathtub is something that's mass marketed to people as being like self-care, but that's not going to work for everyone. And that's like the simplest example, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I would not be the glass of wine in a bathtub. I'm a find a really good romance novel and let me read some of that. Or read the whole thing. It just depends on where I am in my, my oh life. God. Like I'm a re- I'm like, and all else fails. I'm like, I need to make myself feel better. What do I do? I pick up my Kindle and I read something. Deep breathing, meditation, go for a run, do exercise. Sure. Eat something. Absolutely. All those things are in my bag of tricks, but I know I could pick up a really good book. And some people will call it trash fiction. I have learned lots of things from the romance novels that I read. And that is guaranteed to make me feel better. 
So I for I don't think I've told you this, but my friend and I have a bookstagram account where we talk about romance novels. Uh, so. no, how have you known each other for so long in that moment? Uh, okay, I don't know. I think it's because we only whenever we see each other, we are usually just like talking about track club stuff oh, <laughs> or whatever. So we so rarely delved into like some of the finer facets of our personality that like we maybe wouldn't consider or thought about talking about before. That's but- true. Cause even on the, like when you do long runs with people, you talk about a whole lot of things, but mm-hmm. it's like you skip over that middle part of like, what do you read? Are you a crafter? You know, that kind of thing. And you jump from, okay, I'm exercising. Let's talk about exercise too. So I had this poop the other day. And, <laughs> or my underwear. Like you go real intimate, real you fast. So and you yeah. skip that middle part. So I need to know a little bit more about this romance bookstagram. We have to talk about that online. I will tell you, I will send you the, the yeah. account when we're done. Yeah. I, yeah, no. I mean, quarantine life has meant that I have far surpassed my book goal for the year and I inch it up every year. I think this year I set it at one thirty, and I had blown through that between books and audiobooks. That's great. Several months in. I listen when I walk and I listen around my house. Like I'm more likely to turn on an audiobook than I am to watch TV or things like that. So there's that. And then I love a good book i read to go to sleep so i can turn my brain off and that's just one of the self-care things that i do and when i enforce a bedtime on myself and i still have the alarm set which is pro tip guys set an alarm if you want to go to bed earlier and get more sleep i will read for sometimes when i fall asleep and i've learned another pro tip for you is lay on your side and read your Kindle and you mm-hmm. fall asleep when you're reading. So you don't hit yourself in the face. Cause I've done that and it hurts. Kindles yes, are heavy and they hurt and they hit your <laughs> face and then they wake you up and then you're awake for another 30 or 45 minutes. But anywho, I read. And so that's my, how I shut off the to-do list. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and cause I have a dog and I, it's a process to go outside. I sometimes will immediately reach for a book instead of moving if I know she's still asleep. <laughs> so that, <laughs> you know, old lady needs all of the sleep that she can get. And that's what I tell myself. But, Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So, so now that I've figured out that we can talk all things romance novels, in addition to all <laughs> things fitness, let's talk a little bit about books. Do you have a recommended go-to source book, blog, something, anything that could help someone on a health and fitness journey? I mean, obviously I work at Fitipides and so this works for me, but I really found a lot of great information resources from Jeff Galloway and some of the folks that work um, within the Galloway program. I think like, especially if you're intimidated at what a runner means, because I think a lot of times, and this is me, when I first started running, I was like, oh, well, I have to be like basically an Olympic athlete to consider myself a runner, right. which is the opposite of what I am in life. And I think like I just had this idea of like runners are only people that can run a certain amount of time that are so fast that have all the gear that look like runners. And I think like I found through the Galloway program that you're a runner if you run in whatever capacity that means. And so when I first started actually running, I trained through the Galloway program. And at that point in time, 
I was doing 15, 45s, 15 seconds of running, 45 seconds of walking, because that was all I could do at the time. Now I'm like four ones, which is cool. Cause I was like, I never thought I would, that I'm still not fast, which is fine. I'm like trudging. But I think like, I learned a lot about like how, how that also helps with injury prevention. Um, Cause that was my biggest, obviously that was like one of my main things that I was concerned about starting my running journey. Um, and also learned a lot of great stuff about like the types of um, items that might be helpful. So like getting a run walk timer, what types of like water bottles might be good to bring on, especially long runs. Cause I hadn't really come across that until I joined and started working with the Galloway method and then later continued with the Atlanta track club. I found a lot of great resources through that. I'm admittedly not super connected with like blogs or Instagram accounts outside of other romance novel accounts <laughs> <laughs> or like organization and interior design accounts on Instagram. But I, I think for me personally, some of that is like, if I do too much research into something like I'll try to change too much about what I'm doing when honestly, I'm in a pretty good vibe with how my running is going. So if I try to read too much into it and read too much into like, oh, I need these extra products or like this type of thing, I need to start incorporating into it. It's like, do I though? Do I? Right. No, I, so, I'm a huge component of the keep it simple. I do like all my gadgets and whatnot, but oh, for sure. in the end, shoes, socks, and a little bit of motivation. In a good yeah. sports bra for the women, because I yes. I am not part of what I like to call the itty bitty titty committee, and so we have to lock the twins down because who they like to come out and play and strangle you a little bit. But <laughs> um, shoes, socks, and a good sports bra, and all of the, everything else will kind of fall in place for sure. Yeah, I just think like so much of it is like again, it's like that mass market thing, right? It's like so much of this is meant to be ingested for multiple people, but do what makes sense for you, what makes you comfortable and feel good. Like, I, I think like no blog is ever going to necessarily tell me that, but I obviously have learned great stuff, great stuff from other folks or even talking to folks like you or like Sam from Atlanta track club, or obviously the folks that I work with at Fidipides, like, and now my dad, which here's the sidebar about my dad. So my dad joined me in running the 5k on the next year's Thanksgiving 5k. So that was 2012. And after that point, he, my dad is like a perfectionist. And so he was like, he f- hated that his time was so slow, which it wasn't by the way, but he just thought it was, um, that he took it and literally ran and signed up with a running coach. And last year did the New York marathon. Wow. So he took it and like, has taken it to a whole nother level. He runs way more than way more than I ever would. <laughs> like he consistently, like his long runs are between seven and 11 miles pretty much every week. Yeah. I don't do nope. that. <laughs> when I'm training um, for something, I get my long runs in, but otherwise. Yes. I'm I mean, yeah, typically, yeah, typically right now, like I'm again, I'm training for like the, the virtual peach tree. So like the most I would do right now would maybe be like seven. And that's a stretch for me. Like, my long runs are between three and five. And, and again, I do the run walk. So like, it's not like I'm running the whole time, but he is. So 
I think I, I saw your dad. Didn't, didn't, I feel you like did. we coordinated this because it was my first Mar- New York Marathon spectator, by the way, spectator, guys. Yes, it and was. And <laughs> I then had my like list of people that I was tracking. I'm pretty sure I saw your dad. because Did we see, we didn't see each other though. We didn't because I was like, oh man, I, again, we should do a whole nother, maybe that, those are our next um, podcast we can do is one about the Disney races and one about being a spectator. Oh yes, race spectating is a, that is a sport in and of itself. That day I did miles and I didn't do the marathon. So, so that day I'll give a little teaser for whenever we do do this, but like I, but neither of my parents are like the most savvy at city traveling. And like, I travel to New York a few times a year for work and because I have friends that live there. So I'm pretty comfortable on the subway by myself. Um, and obviously, you know, the path, like they pre tell you where it's going to be, but does not always make sense with where the subway is. True. So at certain points I ended up just telling my mom, like, cause we were trying to like cheer on my dad at various points but I had her take like the easiest route so she could just take the same train versus I was like, I'll just change trains. Cause I didn't know how to do it and it was fine. But what was funny was like towards the end. Cause my dad right before, like the, a few days before he started having it troubles and that day of the race, he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do it. Oh. He was just in so much like, I think some of it was like, I think he pushed himself too hard going into it. Mm. Um, and obviously there's a lot of nerves, you yeah. know, and he's an older guy. He finished the, he did his first and hopefully only New York marathon at the age of 62. So 61, sorry, he's 61. So, <laughs> I don't want to make him seem like he's older than he is, but like, I, so when he rounded the bend and he's coming back down off fifth Avenue, which you know where that like, it's like towards the end. Right. So I meet him just South of the park off fifth Avenue. So that's probably at like, uh, like 76th street. And I go with him until we get to, um, basically like three blocks North of where you have to turn to go into like the final part of the park. I am, standing like because at this point my dad's walking because he's like I can't run I was like okay but he's walking fast he's also like six feet tall so you know he's faster than me but I'm sitting there I have like my bag my tote bag tucked under my arm I'm wearing jeans and a puffy jacket and I look probably insane because I obviously am not running the race but I'm clearly like running alongside my dad basically oh god that day I got I got in eight miles (laughs) Just like trying to find him and walking up and down the subway. And then obviously I think that last bit with him, we ended up covering two miles. Okay. I don't recommend doing that in jeans. No. But everyone, please don't. But I felt good because I felt like I was helping him in that last little bit to try to push him. I mean, he's going to finish by that point. He wasn't going to stop, but it felt nice to be alongside him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean... New York Marathon is definitely on my list when I finally get back into seriously training and stuff again. And we do in-person things. Well, I may let a couple go by before I do it. (laughs) Yeah, crowds and whatnot. But I had had a similar experience. One of our fellow um, trained people from the Atlanta Truck Club, Nagar, she was doing it. And I met her. One of the many places in which I met her along the way was at the park, the turn in. And I 
it was towards the end of the race in which they were pulling up the gates and everything. So I got to like be slightly on the course with her and walk her into the park and give, give that last little boost. And so, but we should, we should totally do a whole episode on the art of race spectating because it is a thing and it is a big ask of a runner to ask someone to be their like race support kind of thing. So yes, let's talk about this again. Um, she's going to be, Shannon's coming back guys. We're gonna talk again. <laughs> it's gonna be good. I will answer your questions about socks and we'll research when you're supposed to replace them for next yeah, time. We should probably figure that out because we just go on whether or not they're worn out, but when you just accumulate so many of them, you don't really realize. Um, yes, I'm sure there's some sort of science to it. And I'm sure there's a recommendation from the store. I just don't know what it is. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make a note for it guys. If I figure it out before this episode goes live, um, I'll put it in the show notes and you can go to tjdelzit.com forward slash podcast and then look for the in um, the episode that's Shannon's interview and I will put that information on sock replacement <laughs> on there. So I have, do you have anything else you want to tell the people before we go into what I like to call one lap around the track? Um, oh my gosh. What can I say? Just remember it's small changes over time. Do not compare yourself to other people. That is the most important thing. I have it on a sticky note that's stuck to my mirror in my bathroom. Don't compare yourself to other people and their journey, their speed, what they're doing. You are you. Be the best you you can be. Don't try to be someone else that you're not. Don't try to compare yourself to someone else. Replace your shoes. I love it. And <laughs> all of those things. All of those things. <laughs> Think that's it, though. Okay. <laughs> so... I don't know if you've heard any of the other interview episodes. Hopefully you don't know. You haven't memorized the questions, but we do what I call Have one it. lap around the track. It's going to be five questions. You get the first answer that pops in your head. So are you ready? I'm terrified, but yes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> one word to describe your journey. Complicated. Favorite snack. Oh, goldfish. <laughs> your most hated exercise. Box jumps. One thing in your gym bag. KT tape. And what's the last thing you ate? A oat milk latte. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Finally getting this interview done. We've been talking about this interview since I started the podcast a couple yeah. of years ago. And then I, then I moved anyway. So I'm so glad we finally got this all down, gave the people all the things about shoe purchasing and what you should look for when you go in to get fit and know whether or not you're getting the right kind of service that you need or whether you need to say, thank you for your time and walk out the door and go find you a running shop. That's going to provide you the service that you need. And then all the good things about how to stay on this journey that is for you. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And we're going to have you back because we're going to talk about race day spectating and Disney race experience. Sound good? Yeah. Thanks so much, TJ. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time for another episode of the TJ Tells It podcast telling about a health and fitness journey. You can find all the archive episodes and show notes at tjtellsit.com forward slash podcast. Never miss the next episode by subscribing through your favorite podcast app, such as Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. Or just sign up for my email newsletter on tjtellsit.com. 
Not only that, signing up will score you a free weekly fitness plan. You can send your questions to tj at tjtellsit.com. In between episodes, you can follow my journey on Instagram or Twitter by following TJ Tells It. Until next time.